This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Run. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today, we are honored to have LA Justice with us. She is a scholar, someone that I'm learning a hell of a lot from as she examines the 1619 Project book with quite a few people on Twitter space. Welcome to Politics Done Right, LA Justice. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm wonderful. How are you? I am doing just fine. But anyhow, LA, before we get into, and by the way, uh, we I know she's known all over the internet as LA Justice. So look her up. Um, yes. Anyway, <laughs> before we get into 1619 or anything like that, um, one of the things that really made me want to talk to you was something prescient that you said, something very important. As every, you have a 1619 Project Twitter space where you get hundreds of people that participate into this thing and they learn, they read the book together, etc. But that right. wasn't what really got me initially. I learned a lot from it. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned I never used to uh, necessarily go vote because I thought withholding my vote was some sort of a protest. I've heard yes. that a lot. Yes. And then you said, but I, I, I figured out that my non-vote was actually a vote. First of all, right. explain to me your initial, uh, the, what you thought initially. Um, I believed what has been said so many times about our vote not counting. And I, so I have voted previously. Um, I'll tell I three times in my entire life, I -hmm. have voted. Mm -hmm. Um, I voted in my twenties and I'm just going to be honest. I did not know what I was doing. I thought I was going in to vote for, I think I was voting for mayor at the time, but then there are all these other amendments and I don't, you know, sorry. Um, and all these other things that I had to vote for that I knew nothing about. And so back then, you know, I was just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I just checked off anything. And I felt so horrible about it that I didn't, I didn't look into how to do it better. And then I just started really to believe in what other people say about our votes, not counting about the, the, which part of this is true about um, billionaires actually being the ones that run this country. Corporations and billionaires do lobby, you know, with politicians. So there, there's a lot of truth in that. However, it doesn't mean that our votes don't count and that our votes don't make a difference. And that's the piece that I was missing. So um, when I uh, when I did 
vote again. So I'm okay, I'm 54. So the first time I voted was in my 20s. The second time I voted was when I was 52, two years ago. And um, no, I'm four years ago, I'm sorry, 2018. And then in 2020, I voted against uh, Trump. And that, but voting against Trump was my first presidential election. When I voted in 2018, that was a midterm election. Um, so, you know, I, I, I mentioned to someone, I didn't even vote for Obama and they were just shocked. And I was like, yeah, I, I didn't think it would make a difference. Now, interesting, um, LA, um, first of all, there are millions, not thousands, not hundreds of thousands. There are millions of POCs, people of color. There are millions of our white brothers and sisters in Appalachia. There are millions of people that think just that way because right. that is how they were designed to think, right? right. And that is right. what gives the billionaires the power that they have. They still right. only have one vote. Right, right. One vote. But that's what gives them the power, gives them the power, right? And uh, the hardest thing to do, and that's why I thought what you said, I don't know if you saw the importance of what you said on that space, because immediately it got my attention and it was clear that it got the attention of others. It was like, wow. And then if somebody who hadn't voted like you really saw the urgency, it become it shows how important it was. But let me give you a few numbers that I thought was interesting. Okay. Donald Trump, when he, when he lost in 2020, mm -hmm. garnered more votes than Hillary's win in 2016. And notice I said Hillary's, Hillary's win, win in right. 2016 because right. she had a popular vote of over 3 million people. Yep. Think about this. If Democrats, and I'm, a, I'm actually a progressive left-wing, well, I, I won't even go there, type of uh, progressive, okay? Right. If, if we had not done the job, Trump would have won not only the electoral college, but the popular vote if we simply wanted to make Hillary's number. But there's one thing we knew, that there were a lot of LA justices out there, intelligent people who want to vote, who never did vote. And we yep. brought them out. Right. And the thing is, we have to do that over and over again. And if we do that over and over again with the policies that we want, that is when change is going to occur. Right. And, and, but listen, it's when people believe something and let, let me take a step back. There are two things that we are always told you don't talk to people about politics and religion. Right. Right. So when I, I have, I, I, I'm a Christian. I went to seminary. I have a master's in theology. So I'm, I'm a theologian as well as, you know, the other things I do. Um, there is nothing that anyone can say to me to convince me that God does not exist. Mm -hmm. In the same vein, there was, there was nothing anyone could say to convince me that my vote mattered. But politics is not religion. 
you know, voting is, is doesn't equate to my, my, my belief in, in God. So I had to do some, some, some serious thought. I had to give serious thought to it. I had to dig deep. I've had conversations with friends, people unfriended me. And I mean, personal friends unfriended me on Facebook. I've had people have tried to convince me. There was nothing anybody could say to convince me. And I remember a professor saying one day that um, not voting was actually a a political position. She said being apolitical is a political position. And I was like, exactly. Somebody gets it. And so that so that made my conviction even stronger because I was like, that's what I am. I am apolitical and I will always be apolitical. But the 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 honest truth is that having Trump in office for four years is what made me change my mind. And and not not just having Trump. So so I can't say it's all his fault. Most of it is. But it's actually seeing the constant oppression, um, all these cases of police brutality, everything that has gone on in this country against black and brown people. When When I went to seminary, it was during the time that Trayvon Martin Michael Brown, mm-hmm. Eric Garner, and and um, you know that that group got killed. Tr- uh, Tamir Rice, God, Tamir Rice is the same. Well, was the same Four age as my youngest mm-hmm. daughter. They, they, my daughter was twelve too. That killed me, and it sparked something in me. And I, I became an activist in seminary. And so as I started speaking out more and more about social justice, I would always shy away from politics. I wouldn't say anything about it. When I did my master's thesis, my professor forced me to talk about politics. I didn't want to. And he was like, you know, Linda, why would you not want to talk about it? You're a black woman in this country. He's, he's black as well. But he was like, you have to talk about it. And so I talked a little bit about it, but I also felt inadequate to speak about it. And so when, when, when Trump came in, into office, I became more vocal because I knew I had to say something. As an activist, I could no longer remain silent. So as I started speaking out more and more, and as my voice got stronger, and as I started learning more, and then when he was up for re-election in 2020, I said to myself, you know what? I would rather vote and find out later that my vote didn't count than not to vote and find out later I could have made a difference and it actually did count. And that's what made me vote. That is magic. Let me tell you something that I learned, okay? My, I have this show, Politics and Right, that you're on right now. 
it's about empowering people, right? It's I call it the people's show. The people own this show. They they are the ones that we come here. We learn together. Yes, I'm the one verbalizing everything, but I also learn from my audience as well. Okay, and the one the one thing about it is you you just spoke about it. You just said I felt inadequate politically, as if I didn't know things politically. And I always put a stop to my audience when they say that, right? And I always tell them, you are living, you have lived, and society impacts you. That's yes. politics. Yes. You may not know uh, something about that ordinance. You may not know anything about these things here. Exactly. But, but you have a voice and you must always use your voice. Now, yep. uh, and, 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 you know, it, it, it is one thing that, and for the, for the followers that I have, the ones that are there all of the time, that is what they love, right? It's like, finally, I'm empowered, not only because I'm learning other things, but because I live, I see the reason that I should actually be a part of the body politic. Right. Now, the other magical thing that you said just now is, <laughs> There, you're, a sem you're in seminary school. You got the, your theological theology masters. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely nothing I could have told you when you were in a mode not ready to receive. Right. Okay. Uh, there's nothing I was going to, uh, you know, I could have said, hey, yeah. LA, you need to vote because. But right. because there was not the platform there within your mind for me to land that message, it wasn't right. going to get there. So I wrote a book called It's Worth It, How to Speak to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. And the reason, the reason I did that in, 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 in the different pieces and the different guts of that book was that idea, right? Mm -hmm. I tell stories of things, right, with the expectation that people are going to say, oh, I've seen the light. Right. Nobody says that. I don't know who says that. Anybody that I talk to, they tell me, oh, I've seen the light. I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to change tomorrow when John Peter tells them to see the light. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> I don't want to convince somebody like that. I want them to convince themselves. themselves. And what That's I just heard thing. from you, what I just heard from you is you said there's nothing anybody could say. The professor forced you to write about politics. That didn't matter. But then you would have preferred to vote not knowing than to vote and realize that if you had voted, you would have made a difference. And that 8 million difference differential proves that that's exactly what happened yep and let me tell you it, it it's funny that you you grabbed onto that because <laughs> even when i was in seminary i there i went in there with different beliefs and came out a completely changed person so i've changed both religiously and politically mm -hmm. i was and i don't want to get into a religious conversation but this is just who I am. Right. Um, I went in with very conservative religious beliefs, mm -hmm. like a, a lot of Christians have. I had a professor who, and this same, the same professor, he, and I love him to death. I used to argue with him in class because what he was teaching went up against my beliefs. So it's, it's very similar. And again, I had to dig deep to, 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 to understand my purpose for going to seminary, but to understand 
what, like what he was teaching because the seminary I went to taught theology from a social justice perspective. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that was something, you know, I never heard of Christians fighting for social justice, really. Mm-hmm. And so it took a Reverend Barber. Lot. What was that? Reverend Barber. Yes, absolutely. He actually went to Drew. That's where I, he, I went to his alma mater. Okay, great. So, great. yes. <laughs> um, so, yes. So he, um, my professor, um, you know, he was very, he was very um, patient with me. And then one day I was just like, I, you know, I just heard just Linda, just close your mouth. Sometimes he didn't say this. This is, you know, me in deep prayer, just close your mouth. And so I was like, oh, all right. Maybe if I just close my mouth and stop arguing and really try to understand the perspective that he's coming from, maybe I'll see things differently. And I did. And that's what turned me into an activist. And it's, you know, for that same reason that I am now a voter, because I just wanted to understand what is the big deal about voting? Well, Trump taught me what the big deal is about voting. And so, and, and not only that, even after voting, what I have, um, done and and have been doing all along but it's come full circle now is um while in seminary and and you know becoming this black liberation theologian I had to learn about my own history and I did that because of seminary because my original background is science I have a bachelor's in biology, a master's in biochemistry. I was only focused on science. That's part of why I wasn't worried about anything else. Hate to say it, but I thought I knew enough about my own Black history. I was learning things from white professors that I didn't know about myself, my own history. And I was like, oh, no, that is not going to happen. So I, I had to start learning. And as I started learning... When I started learning about the history of voter suppression Mm -hmm. against Black people, dating all the way back to Reconstruction, which, by the way, the 1619 Project also talks about in Mm -hmm. Nicole Hannah-Jones's book, um, it made me realize that this 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 is the cycle. If our vote didn't matter, there wouldn't have been a historical, we wouldn't have a history of backlash against us from uh, Reconstruction, from, I don't know if anybody knows, there was a Civil Rights Act in 1870 called the, the Ku Klux Klan Act because of the KKK going after uh, Black voters, you know, during that time frame. So there had to be a Civil Rights Act to, to reinforce the 15th Amendment. So that's three... We had Reconstruction, the 15th Amendment, the Civil Rights Act of 1870. Then we had to have the Civil Rights Act of 1965. And now we have to have the John Lewis Civil Rights. So all the, you know, all these things 
that we always have to have because there's always backlash when we gain any little bit of political power. And that tells us how much our vote actually does count. Exactly right. I couldn't, I couldn't have said it any better myself. That is what's so important. And that is why uh, going in, a, let's segue to your 1619 project, because I mean, I think it's a perfect segue. Until you learn all those pieces of history, and I'm learning, you know, as my daughter reads the book, and as I listen to you guys on, on, on Twitter space, I'm learning, you know, the different aspects. You're telling me, yeah, when I get a chance to read the book, the, 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 the more yes. realistic thing is I'm unlikely to have a chance to read the book. But that said, learning from you guys, I think it's, 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 it's great, you know. Yeah. Uh, but um, why did you start that 1619 project space? Because there, there's a lot of backlash. Even on my show, I have all my con the conservatives that come to my show they have all kinds of things against the 1619 project. Of course, oh. I know that it's been made a caricature of by the right. Why mm -hmm. did you start it? I started it first as um, we, our group, writers and editors of color, um, started it on Medium first because, so it's, it is a publication. It's called The Case for the 1619 Project. But I was... I, I don't know what I, I was on the New York. No, I was on Google and I think I Googled it and I saw an article criticizing it. And so I went back to the group and I was like, oh, my God, we need to write about this. She's getting criticized like horribly. And so nobody, everybody's like, oh, yeah, we should do it. And nobody really paid much attention. But then um, the co-founders of the group came to me to ask me if I would manage it as a project and, and take it on, you know, and, and, and build the pub, which um, Allison built the pub, but, you know, getting, getting people to contribute to the pub, you know, advertising it, the whole nine. Pub is so publication, folks. Just need to tell them. Everybody, oh. not, all, not all people that are listening to this are the professional writers that you guys are. So sometimes we have to kind of. Yes. Sorry. Um, so, so we started the publication just to advocate for it, to support it, because we believed in it. Um, we all, you know, read all of the articles that are on the project and on the New York Times online. And. So we supported it that way. And we have different contributors contributing to it. We go through a peer review. Even I go through a peer review with the articles that I've contributed. Um, you know, and, and we just really want to talk about the criticism, talk about our own personal stories. Um, for me, it's very personal because it's not just part of my ancestral past. It's also part of my family history because my great, great grandfather was enslaved. So, you know, I, I, I wanted to, I soak up anything uh, that I can get about um, history and, and about slavery. And so as, you know, I, wanted to learn more, I gravitated towards the 1619 Project. Plus, I, you know, I kept hearing a lot of good things about it. So 
as I learned more, I was like, wow, we really, really need to support it. So we did that. And then later found out that she came out with the book. And I was just like, oh my God, because I love reading in addition to, you know, loving to write. So I was like, oh my God, I can get even more of this. You know, so I just got really excited. And I was like, look, everybody, we need to start a book club and we need to do it immediately. Get the book. It's going to come out in, you know, November, blah, blah. So we just made it a whole project. Somebody else took on the responsibility of managing the um, the Twitter account for the project. So we just um, we just ran with it and it's been very successful. Well, I mean, we're coming close to the end of the interview, so I want to, want to ask you a favor. I didn't ask you to do this before, but I want you to tell my conservative listeners, why is it they need to disregard all the crap they're hearing about the, 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 in, in, the, in the attempts to malign uh, the 1619 Project, both the project at New York Times and the book, and why it is also in their interest to learn? Because, I mean... Before you answer, I want to say something that I think about most people, right? I may be, a, I may be, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, altru- too altruistic, but I, 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 start, I believe most people are good, everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest fear is that when America looks in the mirror and see what has occurred, given that most people, are, going under the assumption that most people are good, they would right. suddenly see that there were not only not a people in our in the 1619 case, the case for black people, mm-hmm. but for many other people that were simply maligned in this country. And one of the things that I that I promote to my audience all of the times is that racism and all these other isms are tools for a few to control the entire body. Right. And if you break those chains, and I'm not talking about chains within people's, if you break the chains within people's minds, mm-hmm. suddenly the human within people start to come out. Right. And that's dangerous. Your thoughts? <laughs> right. So th- the thing is, first of all, we all know that slavery happened. There, there's, there's no doubts about that. Um, but what people don't always want to know is how horrific it was because it, they take it to mean that because their white ancestors enslaved my black ancestors that makes them racist too, or that makes them guilty. Nobody's saying that, you know, Joe Smith is a racist or, you know, nobody's pointing individual fingers at individual people and saying you're to blame. That's not what this is about, but it's about telling accurate American history that so oftentimes leaves out the contributions of Black people to that history, to our democracy. We, we, we were enslaved when the Constitution was written, when the, when, when, when the Declaration of Independence was written. It, 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 our humanity 
wasn't realized and oftentimes still isn't realized. And so reading the 1619 Project really should not make anyone feel awful. What it really should do is just make you want to make this country better. And walking around with blinders on thinking that it's good enough as it is, is it's unrealistic. And it's simply not true. It's just not true. This country constantly proclaims liberty and justice for all, but look at what it's done. Not just historically, what it's doing currently. The filibuster is still, you know, keeping the John Lewis Voting Rights Act from being passed. And this is 2022. Slavery ended in 1865. LA Justice, manager of the Wokes, the Woke Project, the 1619 Project. Uh, thank you so kindly. Actually, before I say that, I want to say that my one of my biggest finds. And this was thanks to Arturo Dominguez, mm -hmm. was to have found Woke. Because I found in Woke, first of all, a warmth. Secondly, some damn smart people who don't only know history, but know a hell of a lot more. Right. And it just felt home. So I want to thank you guys for what you guys have created there, first of all. But secondly... Thank you for all that you do. Again, LA Justice, look her up. Thank you for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you. Bye, everyone. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.